Dr. Timothy George. We're delighted to have you. Uh, ordained in the Baptist Church, uh, graduate of Harvard University, uh, pastor churches in four states, uh, the founding dean and current dean of Beeson Divinity School, a wonderful institution that we're really blessed to have a relationship with here in Birmingham. Uh, married uh, to Denise, and they have two children. Uh, and of course, we've had her here to speak at various events and uh, delighted, Dean George, that you are with us here today. Dean George will preach after we stand and sing hymn number 474, verses 1, 3, and 4. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The text for this Holy Wednesday is John 13, beginning with verse 21. After he said these things, Jesus became visibly upset. And then he told them why. One of you is going to betray me. The disciples looked at one another, wondering who on earth he was talking about. One of the disciples, the one Jesus loved dearly, was reclining against him, his head on his shoulder. Peter motioned to him to ask who Jesus might be talking about. So being the closest, he said, Master, who? Jesus said, the one to whom I give this crust of bread after I've dipped it. And then he dipped the crust and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon the Iscariot. As soon as the bread was in his hand, Satan entered him. What you must do, said Jesus, do. Do it and get it over with. No one around the supper table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that since Judas was their treasurer, Jesus was telling him to buy what they needed for the feast or that he should give something to the poor. Judas, with a piece of bread, left. And it was night. This is the word of the Lord. In our journey with Jesus toward the cross, a shadow falls across the page here in John 13, this Holy Wednesday. It's a scene of remarkable tenderness and incredible intensity. A scene that brings together two realities of human life never really far apart. Intimacy and betrayal. John 13 opens by giving us a rare glimpse into the intimate thought process of Jesus. John tells us four things Jesus knew on the eve of the great crisis of his life. First, he knew that his hour had come. Again and again in the Gospels when his disciples, even his mother once, had urged him to take precipitous action. He had said, no, my hour has not yet come. But now he knows his hour has come. He also knows that the Father has put him completely in charge of everything. We should not think of this holy week as Jesus the victim. No, he's the protagonist. 
The cross is not an accident. It is a part of God's eternal design in the drama of redemption. Jesus knows this. Two other things he knows. He knows he's come from God and is on his way back to God. He knows his origin and his destiny. Fully knowledgeable of all of this. Jesus does something here recorded nowhere else in the Gospels. Something so personal and so intimate that is remembered throughout the world every Monday, Thursday. Jesus disrobes. He becomes a slave. And he bathes the feet of his disciples. And when he had done this, the text for today says he was deeply troubled. It's the same Greek word used in John 5 when the angel comes to the pool of Bethesda and the water is troubled. Jesus is disturbed. He's visibly upset. He's shaken. Why? Because in that most intimate moment, one of his beloved disciples is about to turn him in, to sell him out. The great George Herbert puts these words on the lips of Jesus. Mine own apostle, who the bag did bear, though he had all I had, did not forbear to sell me also. And to put me there was ever grief like mine. Jesus is disturbed. He's visibly upset. We know, of course, who it was, and so did Jesus, and so did Judas, but not the other disciples. They begin to whisper among themselves, who could it be? Peter tells John to ask the Lord, who is it? Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, he personalizes this question. The disciples say, is it I, Lord? Is it I? Matthew has Judah say, surely not I. Isn't it interesting that no one suspects Judas? Why not? Well, he's a paragon of respectability. The one entrusted to collect the money to pay the bills. Surely not him. But there's another reason I think they don't suspect Judas. And that is because Jesus loved him so much. We think of John and we call him the beloved disciple. Reclining at table with his head on the Savior's shoulder. As Leonardo da Vinci portrays him in The Last Supper. Yes, but there was another beloved disciple at that supper on whose breast Jesus reclined, who sat in the place of honor on his right hand at the table, Judas. Judas, the beloved disciple too, whose feet Jesus had just washed. The same feet that would soon be traipsing off into the dark to negotiate the entrapment of the Lord. Judas, who not only shared a common table with Jesus, but also ate from the same bowl. This remarkably intimate act 
of friendship, where Jesus takes a crust of bread and dips it into the bowl and gives it to Judas. We don't have anything like that in our culture. The closest may be making a toast to someone as an act of friendship and generosity, but Jesus takes the very bowl from which he is eating and gives to Judas from it to eat. This action is Eucharistic. He is saying proleptically, even before the institution of the Lord's Supper, take, eat. This is my body given for you. He is offering forgiveness, offering grace. Oh, the love that Jesus Christ has for Judas is carried. Intimacy, betrayal. Authentic love always risks betrayal, doesn't it? If you never give your heart to anyone, it will never be broken. It will become unbreakable. If you never entrust yourself to anyone, your hopes, your dreams, your secrets, your future, if you never entrust this to anyone, you'll never be betrayed. That Jesus can be betrayed by Judas is evidence of his love for him and of his love for you and for me too. And Judas went out, it says, and it was night. Now, in the history of the church, opinions about Judas have swung from one extreme to the other. Usually, of course, he is portrayed as in Giotto's painting of the betrayal of Jesus. There is Judas, evil-looking, furtive, ape-like features, clutching money bags as he sneaks off to do the dirty deed. Dante puts him famously in the lowest circle of hell. Judas, the embodiment of evil. No one names their newborn son. Judas is carrying. More recently, the pendulum has swung the other way, and there's been an effort to rehabilitate Judas, to give him the benefit of the doubt, so to speak. A few years ago, there was discovered a document from several centuries after the New Testament, a Gnostic document called the Gospel of Judas. And it reverses the roles of Jesus and Judas. Judas comes off the jovial hero. Jesus, the villain. Who was Judas? Some say it really wasn't the money. It wasn't greed that forced him, but... He simply wanted to force Jesus' own hand. He had seen him heal the sick and raise the dead. He knew his supernatural power. He wants Jesus to use that power to expel the Romans, to defeat evil, to jumpstart the battle of Armageddon. Bring it on. Judas remains a potent symbol in our culture today. Even Lady Gaga has a song about him. Judas. Michael Marsh says, we all have a love-hate relationship with Judas. We hate him for what he did. He betrayed Christ. But we love him because he takes the rap. 
We love him because he draws attention away from us. We can excuse ourselves. Who is it, Lord? Is it I? Is it I? Who is it? Well, yes, it is Judas. But not Judas alone. Because before all is said and done, Peter will have denied that he ever knew Christ. At one point, the New Testament says, all of the disciples forsook him and fled. All the disciples. Have you ever been tempted to betray Jesus Christ? Maybe, maybe not for something as sordid as money. Maybe not around some great gesture like a public kiss on the cheek. Maybe it was for some high and noble cause. Eliot reminds us that sometimes the greatest treason is to do the right thing for the wrong reason. You remember the great John Bunyan in his spiritual autobiography, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. If you've never read that, I encourage you to read it. He talks about his struggle to come to faith, the temptations that beset him, and especially the tempter who would come to him, trying to ensnare him at all kinds of times when he was walking down the road, when he was eating food, when he was doing his daily chores, when he was bending over to pick something up. There was this voice, sell Christ for this. Sell Christ for that. Sell him. Sell him. Sell him. Oh, no, no. A thousand times no. Said John Bunyan. But still the tempter came again and again with his insinuating sneer, his importunate plea sell him, sell him, sell him. Judas went out, and it was night. In the ancient world, they had no mechanical clocks. They had sundials. They had water clocks. But it was sometimes difficult to tell when evening was done and night had begun. But now the shadows of evening have fallen. The purple of the night is all around. And Judas walks out of the meeting. Jesus had said earlier in this gospel, those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. Jesus tells Judas, whatever you're going to do, do it now. And Judas went out, and it was night. Stumbling, yes. Slinking, through the shadows of night to negotiate away the selling of Jesus Christ. We remember that night. So memorable, so impressionable was that night 
in the mind of the early disciples that it became incorporated into the primal liturgy of the Christian church. And we say it every time we come to the table of the Lord and we hear the words of institution. And on the night in which he was betrayed, on that night, he took bread. He broke it. He said, take, eat, this my body, broken, given for you. Only in the light of intimacy and love does betrayal make any sense. Jesus Christ loved Judas Iscariot. But only in the light of our betrayals. Not only Judas's, but our betrayals. Is it I, Lord? Sell him, sell him, sell him. Only in the light of our betrayals can we grasp the depth of the Savior's love. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son into this world to bear the burden of our sins. So that we through faith in him can walk through the night toward sunrise. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, for his great love, the love that will not let us go, that pursues us into the night. We thank you for every betrayal in our lives. Jesus reaches out in love to us, as he did to Judas. Help us not to leave the dinner too early, but to hear that love and receive it and live in the light of it. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.